Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends, welcome back to the show. Get ready for some awesome. I like the subdued. I know, I have kids sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) No way I'm waking them up. (laughs) You're like, I don't want to be stupid enough to wake my kids up, but... (laughs) Because I still want to be stupid, but just but. want to be quieter, stupid. Yeah, yeah, that's smart. I mean, it's yeah. So thanks, man. It's July wrap up. We've got Jonathan Stormont back on, and he's gonna pleasure. He's gonna try to keep it low key for the kids. That's right. Yeah, unlike the more adult oriented ver- uh, shows you've been doing lately. The adult, huh? Blue. I think that's the lingo Blue. now. <laughs> Blue. I see what you did there. Yeah. 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 It's a little callback. Yeah, a little callback. That's also what we use in the old stand up comedy world. Yeah, that's what we do. So you, Jim Gaffigan, John Mulaney. <laughs> that's what me and Jim do. Me and Jerry do it that way. Um yeah. it's just how we yeah. how we do it. Chris Rock. That's what we do in the business. You know. Wow. Yeah. Are you gonna start signing people's Bibles? Yeah, I mean if if they need me to. Didn't uh, no, I mean you probably already were without the masking. I'm just wondering. Yeah, I mean no, I mean why wouldn't I? Uh, <laughs> you don't do that. No, what, who did that? Wasn't there a great story? Wasn't it Jim Caviezel was like signing Bibles? Is that right? Yeah, I don't know. I just made that up. So we have a mutual friend who has a connection to Cedric the Entertainer, mm-hmm. who has a connection to a uh, a minister in Churches of Christ that we know and love. Why are we and saying his he, name? Is is this a secret or something? Well, I guess Eric will. Yeah, is it? Well, you Eric you just said his name now. Like, you didn't give him the option to yeah. tell a story because you were gossiping. Why would you do that? Just say we have a friend. <laughs> oh, anyway, so the pack of a thousand signs <laughs> is my burns my hatred for you. <laughs> um, so Eric Wilson's brother in law or brother brother in law, yeah, and he. Um, he went to hear him speak at a youth rally, and he said, man, I love you, but I'm not going to do it anymore because it's weird having all these people come up and asking me to sign their Bibles. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's true. Like, you got you want an autograph? You only got the Bible? What, yeah. Did, did you ever go for the autograph thing? Because I don't understand. No, what do you do I, with a piece of paper with a scribble that you can't read? I mean, I don't get the... Yeah. I um all the books I do like having books autographed if I know the author. Really? Yeah, I mean just a memory. Hmm, okay, cool, good for it. Uh, so uh, did you just get back from Colorado? Is that right? I did. I was in California for eight days doing study break, and then Denver for a few days doing study break, and went to a Hillsong concert and nice. saw your your buddy Joel. Just tell Joel hello. Did you wave to him? Did Lauren, no, yeah. uh, who opened for him? Was it Lauren Daigle? Daigle, yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, same show I think you went to. No, Lauren didn't open for them. Lauren is repped. His, her manager is a good friend of mine named Jeff Barry, who used to lead Grace Bible Study. He was a worship leader for that. And oh. so I would have said hello because of Jeff. But no, uh, it was a different person who opened when I, when they came to Austin. I don't know about your experience at Hillsong, but Churches of Christ have really failed me <laughs> to be able to prepare to be at a play, at a concert like Hillsong. Why is that? Um, it, 
they are the Greek Orthodox version of young hipster evan- evangelicals. Just a immersion mm-hmm. of the senses. Yeah. Oh yes, for sure. I I left the the uh, I don't know if concert worship night whatever it is the show, and on the way home couldn't listen to any music. Just had to roll the windows down. Silence. My ears yeah. were ringing after that, dude. I yes, you're. It's so true. And um, like I had a headache. <laughs> I was just like a grumpy old man. Kids One get on the lawn. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I love the I love the songs and the worship, and it was a you know cool performance. But here's a question for you: You have interviewed both Joel and Jamie Smith. They seem to have Joel would win in a fight. Yeah, right. Is that where you're going with this? Is that how we settle like theological yeah, tensions? Joel would definitely win that fights. fight. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I've interviewed Joel, who's on one. Mm-hmm. And how would you say uh, Jamie Smith's critique would be of Hillsong, um, for those who wouldn't what, be familiar with him? Well, to be fair, and this is what I kept trying to tell myself, because I've been at Highland too long, okay? I <laughs> and, and I mean that in the sense, like, I... I think like Hillsong would be Randy Harris's hell. Yeah. Do you agree? Oh yeah, yeah. And um, so the cynical side of me was like, you know what? If there was no God, you could still pull this show off. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because I guess every if you ch- good and perfect thing isn't from God. Yeah. So that's cool. Okay. No, um, what you're saying is that it's good enough where people would want to go to this because of the quality of the the music, the the experience is still compelling enough, regardless of the religious undertones or explicit centrality of the Jesus message. And, I mean, they literally have yeah, like don't they have like the beatitudes flashing on the screen and they do. And it's not you know it's it's Christian, obviously. So I, I feel like I just said that. Yeah, yeah, and they're unapologetically Christian. They had everybody and they invited people to invite Jesus into their heart, and um, the worship minister, children's minister, was in front of me, Anne-Marie Rogers, mm-hmm. and I raised her hand. <laughs> she was just... You jerk. She, started fighting. She, she definitely did not want Jesus in her heart. Did they, did they show the, uh, the Syria video with the refugees? They did. Was that the one Paul made? Yeah, yeah, because Paul was over there yeah. with him shooting that, and then um, their new thing that comes out, have you seen the... Uh, Record, I guess it's a live recording they did on uh, of the last album. Israel? Yeah, Israel. So that was like the second part of that same trip. Yeah, I mean, all, they did all that. I think it was the same show except for the opener maybe. Yeah, so, okay, the critique of Jamie Smith, Jamie K. Smith, who's a, a philosophy professor at Calvin College, would be, give me 15 seconds of what he'd say about that. Um, well, I mean, it, it's basically like the ancient narrative isn't, uh, it needs to be, more in there. Um, and now, here, here's the other side of that. They're a concert, not a church. But one of the things I was thinking was a lot of people walk away from there thinking, now this is what church should be. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And if it is, then I think you miss it, some key ingredients. Yeah, that, that is a really good question. Is that a, a worship night? Is it a concert? I don't know exactly the language they use, and I really should answer like have that before we can really make a good answer. I feel like it's a, a really unfair criticism uh, of what they're doing as Hillsong. I mean, I, it's big, it's bright, it's it, there's a lot of stuff going on, but people really connect to it. And oh yeah, and their music is great. Here's like, it's wonderful. I don't know if, if you've ever heard this, but like the critique of 
church worship music is, you know, it's too loud. It's too loud. And if you look all throughout the Bible, there's no description of what the volume should be other than saying it should be loud. Like yeah, all right. throughout scripture, it's that's a good point. shout, loud, clanging cymbals. Um, it's, it's overtly encouraged and commanded to be loud. And so yeah. I don't think I would like leaving a worship service every Sunday where my ears were ringing and I like had a headache the, the, ne- the morning after the night of or whatever. Not saying that I did, but you did. Um, I, I wouldn't like that. But if you're looking at the Bible and trying to figure out what is the decibel level supposed to be, it says loud. So there's, there's yeah. a sensory aspect to it. And this is like the question that I, I'd want to go down is, even if this wasn't Christian, people would still show up at it. Which yeah. kind of like points to the, like the fact that we've done a lot of really crappy art and said, well, you're Christian, so you have to come to what we do. That's and good. this is yeah. the best crappy version of what normal people would listen to outside of the religious community. Yeah. I, yeah, I just... I would... And Jamie Smith has never specifically critiqued Hillsong United to what I know. Yeah, yeah. But it might not be the thing that connects to everyone, but it would you would be very hard-pressed to come up with a biblical reason why people shouldn't have a loud rock and roll kind of feel. And I don't know if they even say they're rock and roll, but like that sort of feel, like... It, it seems like very kind of like Jewish songbooky to me. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a good. I wish I, I wish I would have thought of that because that's that's smarter than you normally are. Well, I mean, it's, if you'd read the Bible like I do, you know that kind of stuff. So anyway, you were at the Hillsong show and, and enjoyed it. Had a good time in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was fun. It was. That you know, I'd been to Passion before, but this was like Passion turned up to eleven. Yeah. It's, it's, if I was, because I I went to one day, like the very first passion big thing. And so I've been to passion stuff before. It's, and I got a really good seat. I'm not going to lie at the Hillsong show. So that really helped. Um, But it's, it's a different experience when you have just talked to the person for 45 minutes and you have a connection. Oh, yeah. And it makes you just, uh, for someone who might have a cynical disposition towards, something like this, it's very hard to maintain that, and it gives you freedom to really experience it. When- yeah, I could tell there was a depth with Joel. I mean, honestly, the, even the way he he talked, um, it, it's just, uh, you know, my concern isn't so much like a critique about Hillsong as it is about the what the local churches are going to do with that in terms of like trying to feel like they've got to compete with that and yeah. replicate that. And that's, yeah, that is, that has got to be quite burdensome to a worship pastor who every Sunday has to put on a new set. That's trying to rep. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's no one can live up to that. It would be seriously like expecting your pastor to have like an hour set. That sounded just like your standup comedian that you watched on, on tour. Like you're, you're not going to replicate, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's, Quality of yeah. communication. No, I know Westover's expectations are very low, so you don't have to feel concerned about about that. You feel better about yourself after you push me down. <laughs> I do. I, do. You, I kind of. You do. know, one of the things that we talk about in the world of comedy is that you never punch down; you always punch up. And so, you know what? Go ahead, because it just shows your posture. <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. I shouldn't punch. Okay. You. Uh, shall we do the podcast uh, discussing um, the the guest for the month? Yeah, who who was the first? Okay, one? so we had the rap, we had mailbag. the mailbag with uh, me and Meal Pops, 
Then we had Sean yeah, Adams. The good Norse word. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. So my uh, my concern with the mailbag is is I think similar to um, Republicans watching Trump field questions. Like, I think they're like we we don't necessarily want him to be the one who represents <laughs> all of us. So you're getting these big questions about like epistemology and. <laughs> Suffering, and you're like, here's what Christianity is. <laughs> are you saying? Are you the- saying I'm the Trump <laughs> of Christianity? Yeah, yeah. On that scenario, <laughs> totally, totally. I'm sorry. I feel like my spray tan is much better than that, and for sure, my hair game is way better. Um, okay. <laughs> you do do nuance a little bit better. You just said do do. Um. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Took the low yeah. road. Took the low. Hey, road. when you go low, I go lower. Isn't that what yes. the floatist told us to do? I think she said, when so, you go low, we go high. That's what, my bad. And then after the mailbag, yeah. okay, so the, the world fell apart. We didn't, so we can't really talk about that. I feel like I've already said enough about the mailbag. It doesn't need to be wrapped up since I already talked enough on it. Um, so let's go to the next two. We had uh, Sean Adams do kind of like an emergency, not emergency, but a... Um, we usually post on Monday morning. This one was recorded on Thursday right after the... Um, we scheduled after the first shooting. The second shooting, uh, Louisiana happened, then Minnesota was actually the night before when we already had the scheduled. And then we posted it Thursday morning, which was the morning in which, um, like you said, um, the Dallas shooting happened. And it was just, like you said, the world fall. It seemed like the, the center of uh, America, just the heart dropped, right? Yeah. Did, you, did you preach that Sunday after or were you on break? No, I was on study break. Um, I mean, I, I called some people at Highland to make sure that we were going to appropriately try to say some things to be in solidarity with our black brothers and sisters. And then, you know, also with the police who, because, you know, we live in Texas and both of us have lived in the Dallas-Fort Worth area for a while. No. So, yeah, that's... Uh... Oops, uh, Man, that was a rough week. It really, yeah, that was. I felt like there was a lot of people who were just emotionally drained that uh, that weekend. Um, like when we when our church gathered, it, there was a sense that a lot of people were just. This has been overwhelming. There's been a lot, been a lot going on. Uh, there's yeah. a. I don't know if you felt it, but you know, one shooting and second shooting, and there was this great deal of okay, this is not right. We need to do something that a lot of people had. And then when the shooting in Dallas happened, it seemed like, wait a minute, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel right now because I we yeah. got sucked into this binary, are you for Black Lives Matter or are you for you know supporting the police officers? And then it was just like this weird cognitive dissonance in which it felt like there was two opposite feelings pulling you in different directions. Oh, yeah, totally. Um that Sunday after, so I did jail ministry in Fort Worth for several years, and one of my very best friends that came out of doing that, um, I think I've even mentioned him on this show before, um, used to be in the Bloods, was a really big deal in, in Arlington, which is uh, like a hub of Bloods, the gang, and um, went back to the hood and planted a church. And so after church, he called, because the Fort Worth police, I actually testified on his behalf um, opposing 
I was actually saying stuff about his character, not but the Fort Worth police were pressing charges mm-hmm. for stuff that to this day he says he did not do, and I trust him. Um, like they said he assaulted a police officer, and he didn't, and he said it's because they were trying to explain why they beat him up so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of stories like that that I heard in in jail ministry, and I I get you can't some of them are definitely telling their side of the story and not the others and all the truth isn't out there. I, I get, get all that, but, um, Andy Crouch, um, not a friend of the show, a friend <laughs> of mine. <laughs> he says, uh, prison is one of the racist institutions in America. Mm. And, you know, the, in my experience, that's true. Like there's, there are plenty of white people, plenty of, um, you know, Hispanic people as well. Percentage-wise, the majority yeah, it's overwhelmingly African-American. And, um, you know, th- there's a couple of things that I was thinking about this month. One was, if I would have gotten caught for half the crap that I did in my life, I would I would have been in prison at some point. Stealing the Neil McCoy single from <laughs> from Walmart when I was 15 or whatever. Um, <laughs> wink. Is that your question? That, I, it was I feel wink. like I don't even need to make a joke about that. I feel like the punchline was the entire story. I know. I'm disappointed on so many levels looking back at younger Jonathan. Yeah. Like the music choice, hmm. the decision to steal. I, li- I like um, that you <laughs> categorize the choice of music was far worse than the actual decision to steal it, <laughs> which is completely true. I think, yeah, I was going to say, I think any judge would be like, look, Everybody, everybody's stolen something at some point in their life, but the, you're gonna have to do some time for making you making you point. listen to this is enough punishment in itself. You don't need to go to jail. So you're saying if you would have gotten caught for half the things that you've done, you could have ended up in jail. So on that trip that I did last year with uh, ten white pastors and ten black mm-hmm. pastors, um, we just shared stories, and one of those stories. I told was uh, when Leslie and I were in college dating, we were driving back from Texas. I was driving to Texas from Arkansas, and it was late at night, and we were speeding, but we were behind two other cars that were mm-hmm. speeding. And so the cop would pull them over, and the cop came, got behind me, pulled me over, made some kind of hand gesture, went ahead and pulled over the other two cars. And I'm sitting back there way away from them because it took him a while to pull them over. And after about 10 seconds, Leslie said, Jonathan, he wasn't pulling you over. And I was like, I think he was because he did that hand gesture thing. She goes, no, he was saying thank you for letting me get by. And I sat there and I thought, yeah, that that kind of makes sense. So I, like any law-abiding citizen, put on my blinker got back in the um, lane and we drove past the cop and returned the hand gesture. Like we waved oh, goodness, as we went Jonathan. by. Oh, so he throws his hands up in the air, runs to his car, throws on his sirens and his lights and is just trucking it to us. He actually thinks we're running. So he, uh, he flies past us. He's probably going a hundred miles an hour and we're just going like 45, 50. And um, he pull, he sees he passed us, pulls over on the shoulder. I pull over on the shoulder. He backs up, 
for like a hundred yards, gets me, throws me out of the car, throws me <laughs> up on the van, and starts frisking me. And I had like my own personal Genesis three moment where I was like, the woman, <laughs> the woman, <laughs> if this was her idea. And I told, I told all the black pastors that story, and they were laughing and laughing, and then. They were like, what happened? And I told them, you know, I explained. And he, he, the cop started laughing and he wound up taking a picture with us and he gave us a sticker, hmm. <laughs> like a junior deputy sticker. I gave me a junior deputy <laughs> sticker. And, and the black guy stopped laughing at that point because hmm. it wasn't funny what, anymore. What wasn't funny about that? Because that wouldn't have happened then. Hmm. Like that story would not have gone that way. They were all very convinced of it. Yeah. That story would have ended up with them being in jail for the night or something like that until... And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what to yeah. do, but I can't ignore my black brothers and sisters saying... We have a very different experience of law enforcement. Than yeah, you do. yeah. You're telling me earlier that the uh, the thing that came to mind to you during this was the letters from a Bur- letter from a Birmingham jail by Dr. King. Yeah. What about that? What about uh, the situation brought that to mind? Well, when I was listening to Sean and um, and Fate, who are both, you know, I don't know Sean, but I know I know Fate and. Um, both, both of them are just saying the same story that we're hearing over and over again, and that is that, you know, the, those black pastors, when we were there, they said every one of them, when they were 10 or 11 years old, their dad sat them down and said, when a cop pulls you over, hands at 10 and 2, slowly repeat what, what they said, tell them what you're going to do before you do anything, and did you have that conversation when you no. were a kid? Nope. Yeah. And so the the point about Birmingham jail for me is that I think all of us are saying the exact same things. It's not a binary choice. You know, we've read Roar. We get that. We know it's not either or Black Lives Matter or, or Cop Lives Matter because cops' lives, they are – what they do is so important. It's a calling if they're not there, society honestly falls of apart. Course. I mean, that's what's happening in, in, in developing world places. That's what that book, The Locust Effect, was trying to say. Cop lives and what they do is really, really important. So both of those things are true. But now, all of a sudden, a letter to the Birmingham jail makes sense because it was written to people just like you and me, white moderates, who see, you know, yes, but... Yes, but, and at some point, I don't know what it looks like, and I'm honestly trying to figure this out because I, I, I don't want to throw police officers under the bus, just like what Sean was saying about, you know, there are good and bad people in every profession. And I think, in my experience, the majority of police officers really are trying hard. Um, they haven't let power or authority go to their head. Um, but I... The best thing I can think of right now is this kind of demon only comes out with much prayer and fasting. Yeah. Did you see the story about the um, some sort of social worker with an autistic uh, mm. 
guy, God. North like North Miami or something like that, where the autistic yeah. guy had, was having some sort of episode. The uh, <clears throat> the social worker was out in the street trying to help him. Police show up. He's yelling ha- on the ground, hands in the air, and he still gets shot and yeah. in the leg a couple times. And then, so what I heard the interaction was after he's awake, he's cognizant, and he he's talking to the officer who shot him, and he says. Why did you shoot me? And reports say <clears throat> the officer looked at the guy who he shot and said, I don't know. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't. And what I think we have to deal with is there is there there are things that inside of us. And I think in some ways, like the police are, are put into a high pressure situation. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to obviously extrapolate a whole lot out of this one situation, use it as an analogy, but. If I'm in that situation, what's going to come to the surface when you have a gun in your hand and you have a what in his mind somehow appears to be a life and death situation, which I'm not debating if he felt that way or not. But what happens in those moments is those things that you don't know, they come to the surface and Mm -hmm. we cannot undersell the effects of our country having hundreds of years of racial oppression, obviously slavery, segregation, Jim Crow law, all this stuff. Like we can't pretend like just because we have a black president now that there aren't people who are still alive who were told that they shouldn't go in a certain bathroom because of the color of their skin. And there aren't people who are still alive who live through segregation and people. Two of those black pastors had seen guys lynched. Oh my God. And they were not that old, Luke. They were like 50. I mean. Wow. I know, right? Obviously, the, so, there's the anniversary yeah. of Emmett Till not too long ago, who's one of the most, uh, the well-known stories of lynching. But, I mean, the fact that you have a 50-year-old who's still, like, it, that stuff is still there, and we can't, we can't pretend like it's gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, so here's, here's what I try to do. I try to own, like, what you were doing with talking to Sean. I, I am a racist. Like that is the problem is not just out there, and it's not just with police. Um, like I sincerely, not a rhetorical move, not a. This is an act of Christian confession. To say that's in me mm-hmm. when when I see some a person of color, the the first thought is not benefit of the doubt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and um, that's a sin. And that kind of stuff can only be dealt with by naming it, saying it out loud, and trying to... Because I think the grace of God is big enough to cover this, what we think is the unforgivable sin. And so I'm just trying to go first as many places as possible and say, this isn't just those people's problem. Like, this is in me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I would like to do the racial bias test with you and see which one of us has more racial bias. I'm, I'm sure it's you. I'm, I think we could yeah. assume. I'm sure. <laughs> I, I feel like most of our yeah, listeners would go, yeah, it's probably the yeah, oh, yeah. Stormant for. I mean, you just said you were a racist. I, we have the audio. I mean, there's no audio <laughs> of me saying I'm a racist because I, I didn't. We can, can we just cut that? Can we just cut that up? And No, because that would be inappropriate. Because uh, I'm not. All right, let's go. Uh, let's go to the next conversation. But yeah. Uh, hey, well, let me say this. Go ahead. I I like that you did that in response to um, the 
what was happening. You just let the world hear the kind of stories that you and I have heard. I think that's the only thing we can do right now. Um, I'd love to hear a police officer on here. I, yeah, I thought about that, and then my I didn't follow up enough with that, but I thought about it. I actually talked to my wife about it. But I feel like as a police officer talking, uh, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong about this, um, there is probably uh, some sort of level of... Um, uh, you can't represent... Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to get at. Like It, it would be difficult... Though the Abilene police chief, who is actually a friend of mine and a good dude, um, stood up at a prayer service in Abilene after all this happened and said publicly, um, the Bible says that if anybody claims to not have sin, then they're a liar and the truth isn't in them. And so I'm going to tell you, I have this in me. I have I have sin in me. I have this kind. I mean, it was very powerful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I when when my friend Rodney, who planted that church, called me to talk about it, the stuff I was telling him was about Andy Atkins, who yeah, you know. Yeah, I know Andy well. He was a Bible major, mm-hmm. and he went into doing pre- or, uh, uh, police work as a ministry. Yeah. When I did the ride-along in Abilene— Was it with, with Andy? Um, no, Andy set it up for me to go with Brandon, a guy named Brandon Scott, who, uh, when we're driving along, he told me almost exactly this conversation. He has a real heart for African-American young men because he, if he had not been white, he just got white privilege. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to tell Rodney, you know, your experiences are valid and, and real, but there are, there are police officers who also see the problems you see. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like a, a large percentage of police officers are black. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a helpful thing in this. And I, li- I liked how Sean was saying that. He goes, I know the majority of police officers are really good really good women and men. And they're yeah. people who really care. And they, they see it as a ministry. Maybe some of them don't want to use that language, but they really care to help. And I love when those stories get highlighted and told where where people are really, hey, I care about my job. I want to make a difference. and But it's unrealistic yeah. to think every protester or, or every police officer is going to act in a civil manner 100% of the time. And, right. But we can't let those uh, small exceptions to the rule become our sweeping generalization for an entire group of people. That's, that's yeah. unacceptable. And that's why we have to hear stories to help us counter that. So... Well, I, I appreciate you doing oh, thanks, that man. on this really rough yeah. Um Okay, so the the next one, this is um, the Enneagram podcast. Um, from uh, That was uh, four or five months ago, it seems like, three or four months ago that we recorded that. And um, so we fin- finally, uh, Suzanne Stabile and Ian Cron started their podcast, and so we put it up. Yeah, and I love both of those. People. Which one more? Suzanne. <laughs> yeah, Suzanne and Ian. Uh, yeah, they. Suzanne came to Highland and worked with our staff. By the way, you said at one point, you know, I feel like I know the majority of people what their Enneagram numbers are, and they didn't correct you, but I promise you they wanted to. Because you are not supposed to. I do know that. you're not supposed to, but don't you at some point when you interact with someone go, oh, I feel like I know. What you like? I know you're not supposed to. I did until we had that whole conference with Suzanne Stabile, because 
I thought I knew where the majority of our staff, what number they would be, and they turned out not to be. Hmm. I guess you're just not as smart as me. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the, the problem here. The, <laughs> the reason I've said that is because I see it as a way to extend grace and go, okay, so you're sure. going to function in a different capacity in this situation, and you're going to have a different you know, natural impulse than I would, and it's okay. Like To use Suzanne's metaphor is, you're wearing a pair of glasses that you view the world differently from me. And, and we're sitting in the room, we're watching the same movie, but we're each experiencing it completely differently. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the grace of the Enneagram in terms of interacting with other people. That's the best thing about it. But the difference between the Enneagram and like the Myers-Briggs is that the Enneagram is like what your deepest need is. Not, not so much how it manifests, and that's the problem with judging it. Because um, you don't you don't know if they're doing that because they want to be successful, like mine, deep need, mm-hmm. core sin or whatever, however you said. Yeah. Um, or mine is just to show people the love of Jesus. You know, each of us have <laughs> different... Yeah. I don't think that's an Enneagram option, and I certainly don't think you would have it if it was. <laughs> I'm an Enneagram 12, just like the disciples. No, uh... <laughs> Yeah, so that's it. Um, <clears throat> it's helpful. Yeah, it is. It's very helpful. So, you know, there's a... Some people aren't huge fans of the Enneagram. Really? Yeah. And we don't have to say their names, but, like, they mostly are in the psychology <laughs> of life. How many psychologists do you really know, Jonathan? Quite a few. Um, Three? But, I mean, it's just... They they think it's a helpful tool. Okay, and, my, and like, my oh, I I feel clear saying Randy Harris does not. He's not a huge fan of it because he's so postmodern. Like he hates all the categorizing people. When, I was talking to my. I had a counseling session uh, earlier this week. Uh, good, which good, <laughs> which is why I sound so grounded and level. Um, <laughs> and I was talking about my Enneagram number, and my psychologist does not like it at all. And I was like, yeah. and so I say, and he's just trying to poke her face. And I'm like, you say your eyes if you want. Just let it out. I would feel better if you just expressed how you feel inside. And so he goes, oh, okay. And I said, thank you. That makes me feel better because he's one of the people who doesn't really like. And so yeah. there's a tension because you have you know, people like you know, Randy's not a big fan of it uh, and others. But it's clearly beneficial. It's been helpful for me. It's been helpful for you, I would assume. And... So yeah, there's especially in my marriage. In your marriage? Yeah. Isn't Leslie is she a two? Yeah, she's yeah, a yeah. two. Um Yeah, so it's 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 been helpful. It's been something that's helped my marriage, it's helped me interact with my wife in a way that I think I, I get more some of her motivations and she does the same with me. But how do you how do you hold that tension of people that you really respect who are like, Yeah, I don't really think that instrument is that helpful, but you personally know that it has been helpful to you? Well, I think their critiques are valid. Like, um, people who go into the Enneagram tend to go into it all the way. You know, like, just this is the second, this is the fifth gospel. <laughs> and and part of it is because I think in our, our world today, we're so um, mystery-starved for anything ancient actually sounds more compelling hmm. and more, like, authoritative. Yeah. Then, and um, 
and I think there there's a tendency there. But if you can if you can hold it as just a useful tool that doesn't have to explain everything or which is what I think Ian and, and Suzanne try to present it as, not like a panacea. Ian's the first one who introduced me to it. He and he told me what I probably was. <laughs> so he did what you did and he was right. Just like I'm right. Yeah. No. Yeah, I I, I don't know. For me, it seems easy to go. You know, this isn't this isn't gospel, but it's still good, and I can roll with it, yeah, and I can right. use it as something that's helpful for me. Yeah, I don't know if everyone can do that. I don't know if if everyone's able to do that, and, and I think they because sh- we're so mature. You think? Well, you know, part of it is being a seven. You know, so it's um, just something I can do now. Yeah. Oh gosh, I don't think sevens are mature. No, I don't. I did actually like them poking poking fun at you. What did for- they say? I'm surprised you completed a sermon at all. <laughs> like, well, you should see his notes. They're never quite complete. Your face isn't complete. It's a bunch of rambling. Your face isn't complete. Okay. Uh, I feel like I've Enneagrammed enough. So let's go to the last one. Stand-up comedy. Yeah. I, I've i never been more proud of you. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Never been more Why? proud. That... Well, okay, but first off, I'm ne- I've never really been proud of you before. <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify so when I told uh, my, my therapist I feel like I've talked about him a lot because I've I, <laughs> got a lot of problems no, I was going to say because I just recorded an earlier a podcast just a few minutes ago and I talked about him on that one too um, but when I told him he's like Luke I'm so proud of you I don't like I, I'm I'm shocked of that response from both you and him I don't you know, we're both wise mature see the dark parts <laughs> of your soul yeah no, I could yeah, I can see why we would both say that. I mean, it's a risk. It's a risk of at the very um, core of where you are gifted. So that's why okay. preachers always yeah. think they can do it and never do it. You know what I mean? Okay, Wade said preachers think they can do it. I, I'm, I'm trying to validate that statement. Do, have you talked to other people who've said that I would like to do it? Uh, yeah, I don't think we would say that out loud, but I think most of us... Think exact. I mean, that conversation with you and Wade was, I thought, really interesting because it might have been real intramural just for preachers. But if you're a preacher, go back and listen to it if you haven't, because it is fascinating. The, I think every preacher who's ever stood up and told a joke or funny story has kind of watched, you know, Brian Regan or Jim Gaffigan or Louis C.K. and been like, I can do that, yeah. Yeah. Which it's, I okay. So last night I went to another one, uh, and I didn't get there in time to sign up to actually get on. So that was kind of a waste of time. But uh, afterwards, there was a comedian who, uh, who I'd seen in a couple other places, and he came up and talked to me. He made a God joke, and so he had heard my last set when I talked about being a, a pastor. And so he comes over to talk to me. Hey, was was it okay? I said that, and he was just re- you know real thoughtful. And I said, Oh yeah, no, no big deal. And so we started talking about the difference of preaching in this. And he, he said, you know, I like Joel Osteen. I watch him tell a story and it's really funny. And I, I think like that's his only like church, like seeing yeah. the Joel Osteen sermon online. And well, you're very much. Yeah. Like him, so I mean, I, it, could, I think it's the hair. That's probably the, it, it really is. Y'all spend the same <laughs> amount on a haircut. Uh, I'm not going to go there, but I was talking to him. I said, you know, when I took my first set was like my best of preacher jokes that I use in sermons that would work. 99% of the time, and it just bombed. And he was like, that's weird. And so we started talking about it. Yeah, you got to chop chop it all up. If you've, 
and he was talking about that Joel Osteen sermon that he listened to. He said, you know, he had he told a two minutes story that if if you're gonna do in stand up, it has to be like fifteen seconds because they're mm. they don't give you as much time. So, yeah, but you know, I was thinking like. Have you seen the John Mulaney special yeah. that kind of launched him, the Xanax story? Oh, no, I haven't seen that. I saw his newest one. I haven't seen that one. The Comeback Kid. So John Mulaney, he, he tells stories, and they take like seven minutes to unfold, but there's always... There's a punchline pretty consistently. Yeah, pretty regularly. And an so, open mic, you, you don't get to do an hour and 15 minutes or an hour. You get four minutes or three oh, minutes. Right, right. You're not getting HBO And you don't have the like the connection to the crowd that... If you're going to see John Mulaney, you want to hear John Mulaney talk. At a stand like an open mm-hmm. mic, they're deciding if they want to listen to you talk every ten seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So the most fascinating part of that to me was when you were talking about how you learned that people connected, the ones that were effective were using their humanity, self deprecating mm-hmm. humor. And it made me think, because um, that what Wade said was true. I would go in and I would tell my in Jesus' name, on Leslie's answering machine story, that's self-deprecating humor, but it, it took it would take forever to get there. I started realizing what you did was actually a really smart move. Going in, I'm a pastor. Um, make everybody my why I'm here tonight is make everybody uncomfortable. And then I started thinking, I I would like to do. I don't know if I would rather like to do this, do stand-up comedy, or write material for you to do it. Because there's so much self-deprecating stuff to work with. <laughs> Jerk. So here's here's some oh, ideas. Okay. Tell me Good. If this would... You've written some stuff. Nice. Uh, try to take an offering. That's. I was gonna close last night with an altar call, <laughs> but I didn't get to. Okay, try to take an offering. That's funny. Yeah, try to take an offering. Talk about um, how inadequate you feel in ministry, like sincerely, because I think. Most ministers feel, especially in like counseling situations and stuff That's like that. That's actually a really good idea. The yeah, I mean the the stuff about everybody's wondering why the world's falling apart. As a minister, I'm wondering why it's not hadn't been falling apart sooner. <laughs> I could use that. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Like the you guys have no idea the kind of crap people tell me. And I mean, I really do think like that's one of the things about ministry is we know that. In some in some way, yeah. we are not blind to the depths of sin. Yes, and we you don't have to use that word, but there's just so much stuff that people in your church who are on the face good, solid, respectable people, and then you they got to tell their junk to somebody, mm-hmm. and you you know you're not going to blab that out to other people, but unless unless you know I'm, I'm at a comedy club, and then then I'll use it. <laughs> well, you you know you. Names and details have been changed to protect the so guilty. So my friend, Jonathan Jonathan Stormont. Jonathan Jormont. Jonathan Jormont. Yeah. No, I think you're right, because at first I wanted to pretend like I could walk in there and distance myself from my material and just, hey, I'm going to tell some funny stuff and it's not going to be... And, yeah. and part of... What the deal? Yeah, and with? so part of my description is kind of like the idealized version of comedy. I mean, there are a lot of just people making bathroom humor kind of jokes, and so let's not act like it's perfect. Just like people want to idealize the art of sermons, when there's just a lot of sermons who are like people who get up there and they're just angry and they're ranting, right? I mean, there are um, non-artistic 
sermons, just like there's non-artistic comedy. So let's not idealize and act like it's all like this noble, like, this is like Shakespeare for 2016. It's not. Like, there's a lot of just, like, bathroom humor jokes. Like, that's not, it's not that great. But, yeah, I I, I feel like embracing that is uh, definitely the way to go, for sure. Anyway, I was I was proud of you. I thought that oh, was a, well, a fun thank you, thing that you did. Thank you. Keep doing uh, I really want to go back and do the place that I bombed, and I tried to get on this week at that place, and uh, they're not letting. Well, you it's it, it's kind of a <laughs> no. Thank you. Yeah, sir. we've had enough of you. We don't want you back. Uh, it, they they get a lot of people who try to get on, and so I didn't get on this week. But I, I kind of want to like erase that loss on my record. But if I go back there and bomb again, then. What's going to happen? I don't know. Dude, you should go straight from, I don't, to make you feel uncomfortable. Ha ha, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. Um, let's pray. <laughs> <laughs> that would just be fun for me to make everyone really uncomfortable. Uh, I don't know what they're doing. Okay. Well, uh, that month is good. Good. Yeah. This good is work, the point man. where you ask me who the, guess for next month are that you never remember oh. to do like this is the one thing you're supposed to do is like the end of the podcast talk about who the next guests are okay uh you know who you should have on you should have on sean and Nicholas. that's a great idea ironically i just recorded a podcast with her so she's coming up we've got uh let me hmm? have that like this was oh that's idea. a great idea jonathan just like it was a great idea for you to not hook me up with any crotch um <laughs> so who, oh, yeah, so who's coming so, up next? So, uh, Sean Anequist uh, recorded the follow-up to the Newsworthy Games, the Harvard versus Holy Spirit showdown of Chris Green versus Pete Enns. No. We have a new one with a different theme, which I think you'll enjoy. Um, recorded that one yesterday. And Is that to be announced? The theme of it? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's based off of... We'll just give you this. It's based off a movie, and it's a movie that, that's not for everyone because the movie was a bit of a bear. So we'll just leave it at that. Um, look for that on the old social media. I'll give you some teasers about what it is. So um, it's she Leonardo DiCaprio or hmm? the bear? Is she Leonardo DiCaprio? No, that's, DiCaprio that's the, the Chris Green Pete Enns one is based on that. Okay. Oh, gotcha. So you've got another one of yes, those coming up? that was the second podcast I was talking about. I thought you were saying Shauna Nequist oh, was the, Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to... I understand. No. Shauna's too nice to, to devolve into that sort of interaction. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Pete Enns, he's definitely right there. Uh, so we got those. I've got one with uh, a lady named uh, Monica Coleman. I'm recording next week. That um, talking about uh, mental health and anyway, it uh, the book's good. Hopefully, the conversation will be good too. So uh, we've got that science Mike. I think will be the end of this month or beginning of next month. Uh, we should have him back on. So we've got a couple coming up that uh, you should be very excited about. Cool. I can't wait to Jonathan, hear him. I again. can't wait to hear you. Um, good talking with you. Love Thanks you for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned. <laughs>